That's, that's, that's a tall man of God. <laughs> More ways than one. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate it. Thank you, Father. Your presence is here. Your anointing is here. <laughs> Your mighty hand is here. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, shake hands with two or three people around you and say, whatever you want. Amen. Praise the Lord. But anyhow, they're growing up now, and thank the Lord for that. And they sent me a uh, uh, Father's Day card with a big picture of Superman and said, Super Daddy. And then inside... You're the daddy of triplets. You're super daddy. Well, <laughs> frankly, when I'm under the anointing, something happens to me. And some super comes on me. But without the anointing, I'm just Clark Kent. I, I, don't, I don't go there. It's the anointing that makes the difference. And it's the anointing that makes the difference here today. Now, let's open our Bibles. You brought your Bibles, didn't you? Let's open the Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, kind of scoot up next to somebody that has one. It's really important that you look in the Scripture. I know sometimes you'll look, uh, if you've got a phone, you know, you've got your Bible on your phone. You got your Bible on your iPad or something like that. I understand. That's okay. I do too. I do too. I just don't use it to, to teach and preach because I get under the anointing and I start hitting the wrong buttons. And instead of going to Matthew, I go to somewhere else and I can't find my scripture. So that's why I use a, a written text like this. Verse 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves. Now, I'm using the New King James Version. And if you wonder how come I, I don't use the Old King James, well, I got tired of all the these and thous and betwixt, which I have no idea what that meant when I first heard it, because I'm a scuba diver, and I've been scuba diving all over different places. I really enjoy it. It's a wonderful thing to do. No cell phones. You don't hear a thing, no cars, it's quiet, it's just you and the fish. You know over there where it says in the book of James, it, said, it says in chapter 1, count it all joy. This is the King James. When you fall into divers' temptations. Well, this man that I heard saying that, the first time he heard that, he said, and he was a scuba diver. He said, divers' temptations? I didn't know divers had temptations. Well... That's one of the reasons that I no longer use the King James Version. I like this new King James. And it says, Exa examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Did you see that? Examine yourself. You know how we used to say, I don't know, years ago, one way, Jesus. You remember that? 
Huh? Anybody remember that? Nobody remembers that? One way, okay. How, how many of you remember that? One way, Jesus, huh? Well, go, go, go like that. Go like that. Say, say, one way, Jesus. Okay, now you take that number one and you examine yourself. Not the person next to you, not your pastor, yourself. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless, indeed, you are disqualified? Now, there's a lot that you could say about this. I I begged the Lord to give me a different message. I really did. I'm not talking about for you. I'm talking about in general. I begged the Lord and I said, Lord, give me something pretty to preach. I, I, I would have been perfectly happy preaching the rest of my life on the woman with the issue of blood, how she got healed, preaching on, on, um, the woman that was bowed over and how she was made straight and Satan had bound her for 18 years and so on and so forth. I would have been perfectly fine doing that. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I said, I said, let me do that. I did it for years, many years as a pastor. And then as I went out and started ministering in churches, I started doing that and was doing that and, and have been used by the Lord in healing ministry. For many years, when I was a pastor of the church in Puerto Rico, and we had thousands of people that would come through that church, literally thousands of people every Sunday. We'd have um, over 2,000 people, sometimes more, in the, in the building, and we'd minister to them. And then at the end of each service, we'd lay hands on the sick, and people would be healed by the droves and delivered. And, you know, it's not stuff that I'm just making up. There's people here that started with us, like Sister Magdalia. She's, raise up your hand so they can see you. That sister right there, she was way back in the 80s, dying with some kind of disease that nobody could figure out what it was. Big rings around her eyes, lost so much weight. And she came to church, laid hands on her, and the power of God hit her, and she was healed instantly. I'm talking about right there on the spot, instantly. To God be the glory. Well, you say, okay, that was 1980, what? 84. Things like that have been happening. I can tell you about, and I have my mom here, right here, mom with me. Her mother, Josefina, was dying with cancer, laid up in the hospital over 24 hours, unresponsive. This was just in 2004. Dying. Doctors said, call all your family in. Make final preparations. And I'm telling you, if and I walked into that room and the power of God fell in that room, we all broke out into weeping, laid hands on her, and that cancer was driven out of her body, and she sat up in the bed and said, Dan! Now you gotta understand, she hadn't seen me in 15 years. And sat up in the bed and immediately started talking, unresponsive, the doctors have given her up to die, and she here she is. She sits up, begins to talk, begins to sing. Mom, is that true? So that's that's a part of what the Lord called me to do, to minister to the sick. I do that. I don't heal them. You know that. I couldn't heal nothing. But Jesus comes and ministers through my hands and heals. 
His power comes and does and acts. <laughs> so I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'd be happy like I did for years, preaching on healing, preaching on deliverance, preaching on victory, preaching on all these different things. Just let me do it. And all of a sudden in 2008, <laughs> the Lord started changing my entire life my entire message, and I started fussing with him. I said, Lord, why me? He started showing me some things going on in the body of Christ, things that needed change, correction. And um, and I was very unhappy with it. I was very bothered by the fact that the Lord was calling on me to do it. I said, Lord, get somebody else to do it. I remember back in 1981, teaching at our Bible school there in Puerto Rico, ministering, and all of a sudden the glory of God comes in that place. I mean, literally, I mean, I saw it. Came in that place like a cloud. And when it hit me, I fell in on the floor, in the cloud, and all of a sudden I was off in the spirit, the Lord talking to me. And he said then, Showed me then what I am just starting now. And I screamed as loud as I could in the vision. I mean, I thought all the students, there was about 20 students there that day. And I thought they all said, Brother Rodriguez has lost his mind. Because I started screaming at the loud, at the top of my voice in the vision. Lord, give it to somebody else. I don't want it. Well, 2008 comes around, and all of a sudden he starts showing me these things, and he starts ministering these things into my heart and into my spirit. And I'm shocked at some of the things he's starting to show me. I mean, it, it, it upended a lot of my theology. It started changing me. <laughs> and finally, and finally I, I just said, okay, Lord, <laughs> why? And, you know, he didn't answer me for a couple of days. And, one, and you know, have you ever had this happen, Pastor? All of a sudden, you walk into a, a, a room. Or in this case, I wasn't doing anything spiritual. I wasn't praying. I wasn't fasting. I was going to the kitchen for a sandwich. You understand? I was going to go get a big sandwich. I was hungry. So here I go to the kitchen. I go to the kitchen. As soon as I walk in the kitchen, the Lord says, I'm calling you to preach this message because there are some things in the body, some things, not everything, some things in the body of Christ that need correction. And I said, Lord, correction? Are you kidding me? As me? If there's anybody that has fouled up royally in their life, you're looking at them. If there's anybody that has messed up, messed up their anointing, done things that I shouldn't have done and I'm not proud of, it's this guy standing right here. You notice I'm pointing the finger at me? And yet, the Lord said... <laughs> I'll be frank with you. When the Lord said that, I busted out laughing. 
<laughs> You're kidding me, Lord, right? You're kidding. You know what he said? I mean, he's, and, and I could tell, and I don't know if you can tell, but I, I could tell he was smiling and laughing with me. And he said, <laughs> I told you, I call the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, the insignificant, what others reject. I call that. And that's what he did. To God be the glory. Can you say amen to that or? All right. Oh, glory to God. Woo. <laughs> All right. Now that you got that under your belt, test yourself, examine yourself, whether you are in the faith. And you know, a lot of times we read that word faith and we don't have a clue what it's talking about. We think of faith as some kind of ethereal magic button. Instead of understanding that faith is much more than belief. It's much more than what you know. Faith is much more than your confidence. Your belief system. Actually, when you begin to do a study, and this is one of the things that I do in the book, you begin to do a study, and you begin to find out that faith is connected to, and it's impossible to separate from, faithfulness and loyalty to God and loyalty to the Lord Jesus. You can't separate it. Unfortunately, in the body of Christ and in Christianity as a whole, Faith has been made into what you believe. Well, you believe a lot of stuff. You know, the Bible says the devil believes and trembles. He believes in God. He believes in angels. He believes in the Bible. He quoted the Bible out of context, but he quoted the Bible to Jesus. Didn't he? He knows what it says. He manipulates it for his own benefit. But he knows what it says. He changes it. He twists it. He'll pull it out of context to deceive and lie. That's what he did with Jesus. You know what Jesus did? How many of you know what Jesus did? He turned around and said, yes, but it is also written. You interpret scripture with scripture. And he said, yeah, it says this, but there's other scripture. In other words, get your doctrine straight. Get your idea straight. Okay, getting back to faith. Faith is faithfulness. Say to the person next to you, faith is faithfulness. Faith is steadfast trust in God that doesn't quit. That's not one day up and one day down. That's one day out with Jesus and then the next day it's lukewarm, dragging on the floor, uh, uh, serving the devil. That's not faith. This is faith he's talking about. He said, examine yourselves, test yourself, whether you are in the faith. And then he says, unless, and, and Jesus Christ is in you, Unless you're disqualified. Do you mean to tell me that Christ, he's talking to Christians. That Christians could be disqualified from having Jesus in them? Come on, let that slap you at the side of the head. Just say, uh-huh, but I didn't write that. Paul said that. And this word, you need to study this. I have a whole bunch of notes on this. You need to study this from the scripture. 
Thank you, Lord. Let's go to Acts chapter 24. Acts chapter 24. Yes, Lord. Yes, 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 yes. Verse 22. Now this is Paul before Governor Felix. Felix wanted to know more about what was going on with Paul. They had brought him in. They had accused him, so on and so forth. Verse 22. But when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way. Okay, so he got more accurate knowledge of the way of the Lord, right? Now go down there to verse 24. And after some days, when Felix came in with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning what? What, what, what did he hear him concerning what? Faith in Christ. He started ministering to him about faith in Christ. Now, what did I tell you about the word? Uh, and, and, I, and again, I, I, and I do in my book. I get into the Greek, into the Hebrew. You begin to, to find out what these things mean. Now, the book's written where everybody can understand it. But the footnotes give you all the references. 274 footnotes. <laughs> all the references. <laughs> so that way you begin to find out, oh, oh, he didn't make this stuff up. He didn't just come up with it off the top of his head. No, it's there for you to study it. You go find it. You go look it up. And make sure that this preacher is telling you the truth. That's what you do with this preacher. You're not supposed to come in here like a little bird. This is a man of God. He preaches the word. But you're supposed to come in here not like this. Just pour anything you want to pour in there. No, you come in here with your Bible, with the Scripture, and you check it out. You go home and you meditate on it and you see what the man of God is saying. You find out, okay, this is what the Scripture says. You're not supposed to just go everywhere and hear everything and, 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 and take everything in. Man, I mean, people do it all the time. They turn on Christian TV and think everything on there is of God. Oh, it is? Man, there's some stuff on there that I wouldn't feed my dog. There's some stuff on there that's about as far away from God and the anointing and the things of God as you could get. This is why I'll probably, I may not be invited too regularly to Christian TV. Some of them. I'm telling you, there's some stuff on there. I wouldn't turn it on in my house. Just because they say Jesus and God, the devil does that. You need to go to the Word. You need to find out what God said yourself. So you have a firm foundation that can't be moved. When you hear crazy stuff out there, it's not going to move you. You're going to look them in the eye and say, what do I care? This is what God said. And what He said, it's what matters. Nothing else matters. I don't care what so-and-so said. I don't care what their mama said. I don't care what their papa said. I don't care what grandma said. It's what God said. That's what matters. That's what matters. Unless grandma's speaking the word. Unless your mama's speaking the word. Now, 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 my mama will speak the word to you. She'll straighten you out too. Oh, yeah. But mama has such a way about her. Mama has a way about her. She can tell you you're a dead dog. And you just take it in. Because she does it with such niceness to her. Well, I... I <laughs> oh, Lord, I've seen her do it too. You know, <laughs> I've seen her do it. <laughs> I'm telling you, she can tell you you're a snake and you need to repent and feel good about it. Feel good about it. 
I'm going to talk about the other side of that in a minute. Because you should feel no way about your pastor standing up here and preaching the word and that word bringing correction and rebuke and instruction and reprimanding you. You should feel no way about that. You should, all the contrary. You should be so happy. You should be so thankful. You know, in the book of Revelations, it said, uh, Revelation, uh, 3, 19, J- Jesus said, talking to the churches. He wasn't talking to heathens. He was talking to the churches. And he said, those that I love, I rebuke. So now, repent. You ever read that? It's interesting that in those verses in the book of, of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, the Lord says to the church, repent about six times. Over and over again. And he says, I know, I know your works. I see your works. I see what you're doing. You know, there's a movement right now in the body of Christ that has been flourishing for a number of years, but it's, it's been, it's been moving strongly. Okay, into a lot of different areas where they say, now, you came to Jesus, your sins were washed away, you've been forgiven, and now if you sin, God doesn't see it anymore. Now, if um, if you go commit adultery, just think about Jesus. Have they read the Bible? Can they read Revelation chapter 2 and 3, speaking to the church? When you go through that, the Lord tells them, repent. The Lord tells them, you have this crazy woman over there named Jezebel that's leading the servants of God into fornication and idolatry. And and I'm giving her time to repent, but she needs to repent. You read over there and it talks about one of the churches that, oh, they thought they were all that. They thought, oh, you say, I'm rich and I'm blessed and I'm this and I'm that. Hey, I believe in speaking God's word, but if you're not living right, you might as well hang it up. You might as well hang it up. You need to repent. You need to say, hey, hey, thank God for the blood. Thank God for, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Do you understand that all we have is the blood? We've got nothing else but Jesus. You are nothing without Him. You have nothing without Him. You can do nothing without Him. Those are three things that that we need to get and understand. And I'm telling you, oh man, I thank God for the blood. I thank God for what Jesus did, what He did in my life. When I messed up and I screwed up and I caused all kinds of havoc, but then I turned around and I repented. And I said, Lord, forgive me. (laughs) And I hung on to the the sacrifice of Jesus, to what he did for me. But I confessed it. I didn't just kind of try to hide it and put it under a rug or something like that. No, I, 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 I confessed it. Confessed it before the Father. Confessed it. Have no qualms to talk about it. Why? I've been forgiven. I've been cleansed. That's what the blood will do. That's what he did. One sacrifice forever. Never has to be done. You mess up, you run to him. You don't run from him, you run to him. You don't run out of church, you run to the Lord. Well, go back and read the book of Revelation. 
Those people that were saying they're this and they're all that, thought they were all that. You know what the Lord turns around and says to them? Oh, I see no evil. Is that what he said? That he said, I, I, I hear no evil. Listen, God's no monkey. Okay, first of all. Secondly, you have to understand that yes, when you came to the Lord Jesus, your life was changed, you were cleansed, you were delivered, but does that mean now that you are in a righteous state forever, regardless of your sin? No, that's why you confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins. Oh, now watch, watch. And to cleanse you from what? Unrighteousness. That means that the believer, and John included himself when he said that. He said, if we confess our sin, he didn't point the finger at everybody else and say, if you, uh, he said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, this is important because there's a big mistake in the body of Christ thinking that righteousness is only a gift. And it's much more than that. Righteousness, according to the book of John, 1 John, it is also how you live. You want to see it? Do you want to see it? Do you want to see it in 1 John? How, how many of you have seen it in 1 John? Okay, one, two, three people. All right, let's read it. Let's read it. So you understand. I, I didn't make this up. And this is one of the things that slapped me in the side of the head when I first saw it. Wait a minute. Here I thought... I am the righteousness of God once and forever, and no matter what I do, I'm righteous. And the Lord said, Woo, sorry, you are righteous before God if sin has been cleansed out. He said, Oh, it was when I came to you. Yeah, yeah, but what have you done since then? That's why 1 John 1 9 is a marvelous gift. It's the way out. And it's the way back into fellowship with God, into your relationship. Okay, let's see it. Let's see it. I, I, I know this is shocking. I know this can be shocking, but let's, let's read it. Let's read it. 1 John chapter 2, verse 29. Are you there? If you know that he is righteous, talking about the Lord, he's always righteous. His righteousness never gets messed up, messed up. Ever. Ever. Oh, and you need to thank God for that. He's been raised immortal, untouchable by sin. Is that your case? No, it's not my case and it's not your case. We've been redeemed, but we don't have the fullness of a resurrected body. You can still sin if you want. You can go to hell if you want to. Did you know that? If you want to, you actually can. Just say, no, I don't want Jesus anymore. I'm going to go live for the devil. You'll make it. You'll make it. I know none of you want that, but you would. You have a free will. You think God took that away from you because you came to Christ? All right, let's read it. Come on, read it in your Bible. Don't say Dan Rodriguez made this up. Read it in your Bible. Okay, what does it say? Verse 29. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness, this is the New King James Version, practices righteousness is born of him. Now, how do you know that somebody's born of God? Because they said, oh, I accepted Jesus. Let me tell you something. When I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, back in 1974, I did it right here. It's, it's, it's marvelous that I'm here today, before God and before me. Not maybe before you, but it, it's, it's marvelous in my eyes that I'm here. 
Because in 1974, right here in this city, under the big revival tent of R.W. Shambach. Anybody heard of R.W. Shambach? Huh? I was seated like about three rows back with my mother, my father, I think my sister, Bill and Darlene were there. Davis, I don't know if you know Brother Bill. Uh, Davis, he actually wrote the, the foreword to my book. He, he's, he's, he ministers out of here, out of Tampa. And that man of God, <laughs> before he came to the Lord, he was a bank robber. <laughs> and not only, and then he got caught finally, and they put him in jail with Charles Manson. I'm not going to give his testimony. I'm just going to tell you that um, he said to me, he said, you know, I never believed in the devil all my life until I looked into Charles Manson's eyes. Then I knew the devil was real. And then afterwards, he came to the Lord and his whole life changed. Well, he was an elder at the first church that I attended after I gave my heart to the Lord. You know, and, uh, and I mean, I had a glorious coming to the Lord Jesus. That day in that service, a young deaf girl had her ears opened up. Now, let me tell you something. You get, <laughs> you start seeing stuff like that. It'll mark you forever. Mark you, mark you. You're not satisfied with anything else. You want to see the miraculous. You want God to show up. I would not preach if I didn't think he was going to show up. I'd shut up and sit down and say, if you're not going to show up, I'm gone. And right there in front of everybody, her ears were opened up and she began to speak. Her tongue was loose for the first time in her life. And I'm telling you, when he made the call for salvation, I, I, I went in for a home run. Slid in the first, you know, like that. <laughs> I mean, slid into the home plate. <laughs> and then, you know, I don't know. Did, have any of you ever been in a service with R.W. Shambaugh? Raise your hand if you ever have been. Okay. You know how he anoints with oil, right? You remember how he anoints with oil? He'd have that big milk bucket. Pail. Stainless steel milk bucket pail. You know, five gallon or four gallon or whatever that is, three gallon, I don't know. It's a, it's a big pail full of olive oil. And I guarantee you, Brother Sandbach anointed you, you'd remember it for the rest of your life. Because you'd have olive oil dripping down your face, into your neck, down, because he'd scoop it up and then put it on you and I'm telling you that oil would go everywhere down into your shorts man it'd go everywhere (laughs) well I got up there on the platform I was stoned that day I was messed up big long hair hippie crazy dude and when he prayed for me the power of God came on me devil took off and all the stoned that I was left. And right there on the spot, I knelt down in the dirt. And right there, I was baptized with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues. I was right here in this city, 1974. I've never been the same. Now, what would have happened? Here I go. I go ministering. I go preaching. And then all of a sudden, I decide, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to go live it up, you know, eat, drink, and be merry. And go out here and sin and do whatever I want to do. I guarantee you, I know without a question, had that been my posture, 
had I not repented in 99. I was for about five to six years so far out of the will of God that I can't even tell you how far I was. So far out of the will and, and, and the mercy of God away from him. Even though I had been a preacher and minister for years, I know without a shadow of a doubt, had I died during that time, I would have split hell wide open. And you couldn't tell me different. As a matter of fact, the Lord spoke to me in 99 when I, uh, I, I had, I had a, uh, I fell on the floor and said, I, I finally couldn't stand it anymore. I said, I said, God, I've been, I've been wrong for a long time. I'm sorry, Lord. I repent. I really meant it. I had been praying for two years to get it right, but I wasn't getting it right. I quit. I, I, I blamed everybody else but myself. This is one of the things that you're going to find in, in, in my book. There's a parable in there about this great warrior. And, you know, I, I practiced martial arts for many years and even had a school, a martial arts school in the Virgin Islands. And um, I even trained with the, uh, I was assistant coach to the Olympic team in Puerto Rico, uh, Taekwondo. So, for many years, martial arts movies, not anymore, but, but they used to be my favorite genre. That's what I always watched. That's what I always liked. It was my favorite. I really liked it. And when I was writing the book, now you have to understand how that book came about. I'm going to tell you real quick. That book came about while my wife and I were, were sharing duties at home with the triplets and don't ask me how, but I'd sit in front of the computer and the anointing would come on me and I'd write. And I could tune everything out and still look through the sliding glass door. It was an open sliding glass door. And see the three boys and know exactly what they were doing at the same time and get up and change a pamper if I had to because my wife was working on something else for the business and for other things that we were doing. And, and, and I was on, on baby duty. And I had my computer right there in front. I'm telling you, if you can write when triplets are screaming... You can write in the middle of a hurricane. <laughs> well, in the, in the book, there's this story about this great warrior. He was, um, every single battle, every encounter, he won. I mean, won big. And he was, he had gone through, I guess, hundreds of different opponents, and he had beat every single one of them. And the, the idea was that when they got done, there was this old wise sage that was going to put in his hands a book of wisdom. And he kept fighting and fighting because the, that book of wisdom was supposed to have promised him answers to his many questions over and over again. He'd fight. He'd win. He'd get beat, but he'd get up and fight again and win. He'd get beat and fight again and win until finally he came to the last opponent and beat him. <clears throat> And he said, finally, I can get this book that's going to reveal to me all the things that I need. So he's ready for the sage to give it to him. And the sage says, before you take this book, I'm going to give you a warning. This book will reveal to you what you've become. It'll show you up and the truth will be revealed on every page. Do you know the Bible says... In the book of James chapter 1, it talks about the Word of God and those that do the Word are like a person that, different than the person that doesn't. You're like a person that looks in the mirror and you don't forget what you saw. 
You've examined yourself. You're seeing yourself in the mirror of God's word. Well, this is what happened with this guy. He gets this book and all of a sudden he grabs it from the sage and he said, finally, I can find out what all, you know, I need to know for my life. All the wisdom I need. He opens to the first page and the first page is a mirror. He said, what? And, and it reflects the, the horrible beat monster that he had become. He goes to the second page. It's a mirror. And he goes to the third. The whole book. Big fat book. All of it. Mirrors. And the sage finally tells him, I told you. It revealed to you the monster you've become. And you'll stay that way until you decide to change. Anybody hearing me in here? Okay. Okay, that's the first... That's the first scripture, but then there's more. If you go here uh, uh, to John, First John chapter 3, want to do this real quick, and then we'll, we'll see what else the Lord has for us. First John chapter 3, in this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifested. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Now, I don't have time to get into all of this, but here you can see it again. I mean, he just mentions this over and over again. Don't be deceived. Don't let people on TV tell you that because you're under grace, you can just go on sinning and, and it's all going to be okay. Paul said, don't do that. Romans 6, verse 1 and verse 15, he says it very clear. He says, so, are we to continue in sin because we're under grace? And he said, no. Look at the person next to you and say, no. That was a weak no. Say, no. no he said no and you ought to read the rest of that Romans chapter 6 I mean he nails it to the wall he says we're to become slaves of righteousness no grace doesn't mean I get a free ride I have a free ticket now and I can just do whatever I want and uh, and it's all going to be okay even if I live for the devil no there is something that grace will do to teach you right If it's real grace taught according to the word, you're going to learn something that is right about you living right. Let's read it. You probably know this verse, but let's go ahead and read it. Uh, Titus, thank you, Lord. You know where Titus is, right? Right before Philemon, right before Hebrews, Philemon, and then go back to Titus. Or if you're coming the other way, 2 Timothy to Titus. But most of you are probably just looking it up on your... Little thing. There it is, right there, right there, right there. And you hit your finger. I, 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 I got, and I hit Revelation instead. <laughs> Titus. <laughs> Titus chapter 2. Are you there? Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Now here it is. For the grace of God. Now that's the subject here. That brings salvation has appeared to all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, now watch, righteously and godly in the present age. Now, not when you get to heaven, now, the present age. The grace of God, say it with me, the grace of God will teach me to live righteously. To live according to God. 
Live according to His Word. Live according to His covenant. One more scripture. Go to Romans chapter 13. Now, I've been just shooting around, you know, and there's going to be gaps in what you're hearing me say today. Because there's no way that I can, I can compress 200 and almost 70 pages in that book into an hour. If you can do that, my hat's off to you. Because, because you're, you're special if you can do that. If you can compress 274, 270 pages and 274 notes into an hour, you're something else. I know I can't. I could probably preach on, on some of this stuff. Till the rapture or whatever. If you don't believe in that, then whatever you believe in, you know, till he comes. We all believe that much. He's coming, right? Can you say Jesus is coming? We're all convinced of that. And he's coming whether we like it or not, whether you believe in the rapture or not. He's coming, period. Doesn't matter. He's coming. And all I will behold him. <laughs> and every tongue will confess that he is Lord <laughs> to the glory of God the Father. Everybody, no government, no army, nobody will be able to stop the coming of the King of kings and the Lord of nobody. He's coming whether we like it or not, want it or not, believe it or not, it, doesn't, it makes no difference. He's coming. And right now, the body of Christ is in turmoil. The body of Christ right now needs a huge wake-up call. I don't know about you folks, but I'm ready for earth-shaking, shattering, moving manifestation of God in the earth that nobody will be able to deny. I'm talking about where you're so anointed and so full of the presence of God and so full of the Holy Ghost that you go out on the street and nobody can walk by you without conviction coming on them and changing them. I'm talking about where you walk into a place and somebody drops on their knees and say, My God, pray for me. Just presence made me think about God. I'm talking about folks in, in years gone by. There was such a move of God in the United States that entire cities would change for God. Not just your block. Not just your neighborhood. The whole city would shut down to the devil and wake up to God. And all the prostitution halls would close down <laughs> That'd be like today. All the strip clubs would close down because there's no more customers. Everybody's turned on to God. It's changed. No more pushers because they've all either come into the kingdom or they just left town because they can't handle it. They don't got any more customers. That's the way it was. That's the way it was in the book of Acts. None of this Mickey Mouse going around. All this little fluffy... Bunny rabbit preaching that you hear today, and so many all this, all this weak Mickey Mouse, and I like Mickey Mouse. Well, at least my kids do. Uh, uh, all this weak Mickey Mouse, just just uh, poodle. And if you got a poodle, I'm sorry for you, but but all this fluffy cotton candy garbage. That doesn't exalt Jesus, that twists the gospel. 
You go back. I don't have time to do it now. But you go back to Acts 24 when you get done, and you'll see what happened with Felix. He was preaching faith. You thought I forgot about that, didn't you? No, 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 no. The Holy Ghost had me come back. Okay. He, he was preaching faith in faithfulness and loyalty and, and the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. It says he preached to him faith in Christ and he preached to him about righteousness, self-control, and judgment. Oh. I, oh, we hear that all the time on TV now. Self-control? Are you kidding me? And the scripture says, look it up, Felix trembled. That anointing got on him and made him shake right down to his boots. Fire of God was there in that word that he was ministering, and it shook him. The convicting power of the Spirit of God shook that governor. He couldn't stand it. He said, Go, go, get out of here, man. He's freaked out. Some translation says he, he was full of terror. Let me tell you something. When God shows up and the manifestation of the Spirit is real, you're going to see two things happen. There's going to be a flood of people coming into, like here in your church, and there's also going to be some people who won't dare come in. Because all of a sudden, God begins to show up, and things begin to happen. And sometimes Ananias and Sapphira will die right there in this church. That's right. And sometimes, I saw it happen. In our church, I saw it happen. They weren't named Ananias and Sapphira, but <laughs> I remember one man, I saw it happen. I'll tell you what else is going to happen. All of a sudden, you're going to see some, some uh, uh, <clears throat> they're going to start streaming in. And other people are going to be afraid. Man, things happen at that church. The glory of God is in that place. Just like it was in the book of Acts. After the Ananias and Sapphira incident, fear gripped the entire city. They were afraid. Didn't join themselves to them real quick. Because they knew if they went there, the Spirit of God was liable to reveal something about them. Read in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It's supposed to be, my brethren... That when we get together, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 24, it says, it says, and they all begin to speak from the Lord in a prophetic utterance. And he said, and he said, and, and the, the secrets of their hearts are revealed. And the, they fall down before God. That's the kind of thing that we have to be out for. Are you listening? That's what we have to be looking for. That's what you should be Declaring for every single service here the demonstration of the Spirit of God and power. The anointing of the Spirit of God demonstrating His presence with such power that people can't stand it. They begin to shake in their seat. God begins to reveal things. God begins to show things. He begins to show the pastor. And sometimes rebuke comes publicly. You better not be messing up. You better repent. I know what I'm talking about. 1974. Let me go back to 1974 real quick. 1974. I accepted the Lord, went to that church. It was a spirit-filled Baptist church. It was. 
It's the only Baptist church I had ever been in that was spirit-filled, except for another one in Jerusalem that it was spirit-filled. I actually went to a Baptist, Southern Baptist Convention, and they just kind of left them alone. I guess they were in Israel, you know, over there in Jerusalem. They said, well, you know, these people are weird anyway. So, <laughs> you know, and, and they were full of the Holy Ghost, and the pastor, you know, would Baptist. Pray for the sick, cast out devils, sit people down on the chair, and miracles would happen. I saw them, you know, feet growing out right there in front of everybody. People that were all crooked, you know, straighten up. <laughs> and uh, here I was at this church, and, I, you know, I, I wasn't married. I didn't have a wife, so I just was doing what I thought was okay. You know, I, I didn't know anything yet. Nobody had told me that, you know. Well, sin, I, I wasn't sure. I, I kind of felt bad about it, but, you know, I mean, she was so pretty, you know, and all of that stuff. And uh, so, <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> well, listen to me. There were about 800, 900 people Sunday morning. I was already starting. I was a drummer back then, and I was starting to play the drums with the, with the, with the group that they had, the young people, powerful young people's group. I mean, man, I saw miracles. I can't even tell you all the things that, that happened in there. <clears throat> so I was a part of that. I mean, there was an anointing in that place. Big anointing. 800, and I, that's a lot of people for 1974. 800 Holy Ghost filled people. <clears throat> and the pastor got up and he preached. And you remember who I told you was an elder at that church? The brother that wrote the forward to my book, Brother Bill Davis. Bill Davis Ministries. <laughs> He's a soul winner, man, from the word go. I mean, he and his wife go into, into high schools, and they'll preach at high schools. He'll give his testimony of what the Lord did in his life, and they'll come by the groves to the Lord. He goes into, into high schools and colleges and universities and churches. Well, <clears throat> this is Brother Bill. Back, he told me when he didn't have better sense. <laughs> this is what he said to me. <laughs> and Brother Bill was up there way in the front. On the platform, I was seated all the way in the back with the girl. And Brother Bill stands up, grabs the mic, and said, Dan, stand up. In you were there? In front of everybody. Rebuke first. He started saying, now you're walking as though you are on egg. You need to walk as though you are on eggshells. And he begins to go on there, talk about something about the Lord's going to do. He said, but. And starts pointing out my sin in front of 800 people. Do you know what that did for that church? Let me say it again. Do, do, do you have any idea what that did for that church? Now, don't squirm. I'm not getting ready to point you out. Okay? <clears throat> Unless the Holy Ghost shows me. I mean, you know. <laughs> I have done it. I did it in one service in the, in the U.S. Virgin Islands. I was ministering. And in this particular case, I didn't have to say a word. The anointing hit the place. People were out all over the power of God, all over the floor. Couldn't even stand up. I couldn't hardly stand up. And one woman was sitting back there, and she looked at me, and I looked at her, and I knew exactly what she did the night before, and I knew what she was doing. And thing is, I didn't have to say a word. She knew I knew. And I mean, you couldn't have seen anybody squirm and... <laughs> and feel the pressure, you know. Oh, Lord, he knows. No, I did, I did. Jesus knew. You can't hide anything from him. That's why you read the book of Revelation. People think, oh, he doesn't see it. He sees nothing, hears nothing. No, no, no. We're always righteous, always prosperous before him, always blessed. If you walk in it, if you live it, 
But if you read Revelations 2 and 3, you'll see that very clearly he points it out. Well, here I was. He pointed all that out. And I mean, before the service was over, I was sitting somewhere else. But you know what it did for everybody? Everybody. And they said, you remember what it did? It brought the fear of God on everybody. Nobody wanted to come to church after they sinned. Nobody. Ooh. The pastor's liable to call me out. I know what I did last night. Oh, God. Oh, God, forgive me. I mean, you'd repent all over the floor before you come to church hanging on to some wild, sinful activity. You would not dare. I don't know. Does that make you hungry on the inside, man? That makes you like like hungry for, for God to do something just so shattering in this church. Oh, it's, it's going to happen. You guys are going to go to another level you've never been before. In the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit, <clears throat> where every seat is going to be cram-packed and you can't, you'll have to go somewhere else. Because you can't get the people in here. And the fire of God will be so strong on this pastor. <clears throat> he'll get up and preach a word and knock you down with that word. You'll fall straight on your face on the floor. And you'll say, oh my God, oh my God. Just bam! You don't think that can happen? I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. It's going to happen here. It's going to happen here in Tampa in this church. You people pray. You love God. You people <laughs> follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. That's where he's leading. He's leading to a supernatural move that's going to shake this planet. That's what he's leading to. That's what he's leading to. Supernatural move that's going to shake Tampa and shake Sarasota and Clearwater and St. Pete and Tampa Bay and Ybor City and all Lakeland and all of these areas around here. Just shake it up, shake it up, shake it up, shake it up, shake it up. Glory to God, shake it up. Stand up. Shake it up. Shake it up. Shake it up. Shake it up. I didn't go past the second scripture. I, I, I gave you a lot of scripture, a lot of scripture, but uh, <laughs> but it's exactly exactly what you need to hear. Exactly. Do you know? I'm just going to say this for the glory of God because this is the kind of thing that God does. Listen to me. You know how many people walk out there? Outside, while you're having service in here, dozens of people, dozens of people walking up and down, going to cafes and restaurants and watching dirty movies and whatever else they want to do. What if there's so much anointing and so much power in this church that they can't walk by in the front of this church without being struck by the Spirit of God? And they come flying in here. How many times do we have that happen in Puerto Rico at our church? Hundreds of times probably. I don't know. We would have people that would say, we were driving by your church and something just came on us. We couldn't stand it. We had to go in there and find out what this is. 
And there'd be a bunch of people, you know, 1,500, 2,000 people up there with their hands upraised, worshiping God, praising the King of Kings, and or ministering the Word. And, uh, 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 uh. That's the hook that the Lord puts in their jaw. They can't stand it. Driving by. We had people that would drive by, and all of a sudden, their, their uh, radio would shift, and they'd hear me preaching, and I wasn't on the radio. How many believe that God can do things like that? Do you trust Him to do it here? Here. Not somewhere else. Not in Timbuktu. Tampa. Ybor City. Here. The Sanctuary Church. Here. Here.